Hello, people of Earth. This is Tesco with Rip Kenny and Trap Jesus, and you're listening to the uh, Human Music Podcast. Woo! Hmm. Human Music Podcast. I like it. Hey, welcome to the Human uh, Music Podcast. Uh, yeah, we talked about... Yeah, uh, what? The Human uh, um, Music Podcast. What, what do we do again? We talk about music and humans and human music. Oh. Oh, yeah. Those are the big three subjects okay. in general. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. So who's, who's our guest joined, today, Tesco? Yes. And we're joined by our uh, beautiful, lovely guest, uh, Shadow Star. Mr. Shadow Thank Star, you. how you, you doing guys today? are awesome. I'm doing well, man. I appreciate you having me on. Hell yeah, for sure. Um, cool. So we got introduced like, what is it, like two years ago at this point through the dojo yep. um, when you were still, you know, just starting to work on your EP and stuff. And now as that comes to a wrap, you want to talk about the last you know, like year or two that you've been working on this EP going hard and like where you were as a musician prior versus where you at currently? Yeah, man. Uh, I think it's good to start from the beginning. Um, when I first was going to join the dojo, I was kind of like at this crux of my life where I needed to make a very big decision, you know, go left or go right. There's like no more, just one direction. Uh, and someone special to me was like, hey, this is really, really good. Look at everything that, you know, Ill Gates is doing and look at all the people that are joining into this uh, you know, growing community and it would work for you. And basically I was about to take the uh, arduous journey of becoming a truck driver to like make money. And I needed something to like keep the 10 years of playing, you know, music as a hobby you know, to take it more serious. I need something like really keep me to the grindstone. And it just so happened that, you know, one of the first few things that you do in the dojo is like learn about mindset, making uh, smart goals, you know, and then uh, writing the contract with yourself and, you know, getting people to support you. And so that all was like in a package, what I needed to go from like hobby to professional, you know, like really take it as a career. And then uh, I think it was the first cipher I got to do was the uh, Jamaican cipher. Like that one was so fun. I don't know if y'all guys got to be a part of that. Yes, I did. I <laughs> yeah, like right. that one. yeah, man, that was awesome. And it really put me outside my comfort zone because like I wanted to make house music. And I was like, oh man, I wonder what this is going to be like, you know? And then of course, like all my other musical instinct and everything just kind of came out and it was really, really fun. I even like worked on it with my dad. So it was like, this, yeah, you know, it's like something more emotional and like uh, sentimental. So that was awesome. Like that's the first cypher. And, you know, if anyone doesn't know about the cyphers and that was like oh, all more reason to join the dojo. <laughs> but uh, man, so, you know, you start climbing through your belts and, like every week I just be like, what can I do to learn more and, and get my belts done? And it almost was like, you know, being in a real 
like setting where you're like, all right, here's my technique. Like, what do I need to do to change it to be better and like perform it and articulate things better? And then I started having my sensei meetings, which is like really awesome because, you know, I got to meet like Sean and you, Tesco. Y'all were like the first two people I talked to at all in the entire, you know, community of the dojo. Especially being like as introverted as I am, I was like, man, these guys are awesome. I'm so glad I have some friends over the road. Honored, bro. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, like the track duar, man. I remember all the things that you were showing me as I was moving forward in the belts. Like uh, I knew about macros, you know, like uh, making variations every one, two, two, four, eight, sixteen, thirty-two. But then you were showing me how to do micro, like little flares and ear candies. And I just, this shit blew my mind because you think you're doing that, you know, <laughs> whenever you're doing the macros, you're like, oh yeah, you know, all right, here comes the drop. But it's all those, it's the spaces and the little things in between all those major uh, sections, you know. And you just blew my mind showing me that. Right. In the truck, no less, you know? I think <laughs> I was, like, driving somewhere in Utah, man, like, going east. And I remember that on my session computer. very vividly. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that, that was an awesome tune. Heck yeah, dude. It was, it was good times, too. Wait, wait. Had you pulled over at a, at a rest stop <laughs> to have this conversation? Or were you, like, looking at, like, trying to mess with Ableton? Oh! <laughs> dude, funny enough, there was, like, a meme going around that this trucker totally built, like, a production studio while he's driving and got busted. He had, like, drugs on him. All this kind of funny stuff. But, no, uh, my partner was driving. Yeah. So, to, like put it into terms like I was driving a truck with, a, with one of my really good friends and you know it's like smaller than a Guantanamo Bay uh, prison cell and so like two grown ass men sharing this truck and like trying to get your head straight and like be a producer and all that was like super freaking crazy but you know like I had an awesome support system with Tesco man I could like message him if I had any questions you know there wasn't like a long turnaround time to answer this or you know, maybe even give some like inspiration or something. So that was like awesome. <laughs> and then uh, man uh, started moving up uh, on the ciphers pretty regularly. And then I was coming towards the end of my year with the dojo. And like I had been working this whole year, you know, writing songs that meant something to me on the road. Like, I don't, I don't think they were meant to be like club bangers. And I don't think they were meant to put me on the map as like some awesome producer. It was something so spiritual, I suppose, for myself to survive that journey that I did. And uh, so I finally chose like a handful of songs, had a session with Sean, and we kind of like started cutting, you know, tracks that didn't necessarily like groove to the branding, I suppose. And then we narrowed it down to like five songs. We ended up cutting one of those songs and then adding another. <laughs> so uh, that was like, probably the most happiest moment of my life it's like yes <laughs> at least in production you know like everybody's has their different pace on how they get music released and how their career goes but for me it was like being a part of like a community that you know supports you as well versus like here's my album buy it <laughs> you know totally yeah it's yeah. meant to be enjoyed by a group of people um, and I think that's one of the things that the dojo is best for, honestly, like this podcast wouldn't exist without it. So once again, plus one points for the dojo. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's definitely like a, a, a character building community, you know, a place where people can 
be themselves and not be themselves at the same time, you know, by yeah. becoming who they want to be. That's, that's even better. <laughs> Man, but, um, uh, yeah, sorry. Go for it. No, no, please go ahead. I'm like, ranting. um, I was just going to ask. So, um, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is first off, when we first linked up and you started sending over tracks, you were already at like a pretty good level, I'd say. And I was always really excited when you'd send me stuff. Cause I knew I could expect like a certain level of quality and, it would be an enjoyable listen through and now to see you know where you're at like gone through that very like grinding process of like doing all these final touch-ups going through the ep like now that you're on the other side you want to talk a bit about what that journey was like for you and like people going through that process what they should expect and some misconceptions you might have had going in yeah man well, for me, it was stressful <laughs> on my end, right? Like on my internal journey, because I was in a truck and I had very limited things, you know. But, you know, uh, like in the dojo, you learn that like stock Ableton can be turned into some of the greatest stuff. <laughs> like, I don't know if that works for y'all, you know, but totally. And then, you know, like Splice was blown up pretty well. I think I um, was participating in Sean's uh, splice cipher and I think like we got 300 credits just for you know like being a part of the dojo and popping on so like I used that 300 credits to like make the cipher track and then like 150 to like build this like little hard drive because like I didn't even have a laptop before I started this job I just happened to have a really good friend Eric who was just like dude I believe in you here's a laptop like have fun <laughs> oh man that's love big yeah to eric yeah so man <laughs> yeah dude he deserves the love for sure man that guy blows my mind <laughs> but um that's a real one yeah so you know all this encouragement from the dojo and like family friends and stuff like that so it was like i have to do this so there's a little bit of stress you know to like make what i had work and uh you know i think one of the things that I had backwards or confused it's like oh man if I can just get that 90% of the track done like I'm there and I remember one of our sessions Tesco where you were like man do you want to know like the real truth about each song that last 10% that's the 90 <laughs> I was like oh my god he's right <laughs> amen amen I, I feel that's so tough like and that's why you know, so many folks worry about like writing this perfect track, like, oh, like, you know, they get that analysis paralysis. Okay, what should I even write? Like, what kind of ideas should I put in the song? Like, it doesn't matter. Just get fast at banging out the beginning of the idea. If you can really streamline your process to getting an idea down in the DAW and turning it into an arrangement, you can decide if that last 10% is worth spending 90% of your time on. Absolutely, <laughs> and, man. <laughs> and, you know, like really, you know, get that 90% of the track, the fast part, because that's the easy part for real. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's funny too how like sometimes like the thing that makes the song special comes in that last 10%. And like... You were like, I know this, this song's like really good. I think, I think this is going to be a great one. And then like 
you realize that this one thing that you just added at the end was actually the reason that the song ended up like being your favorite or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And man. like the 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 difference in perception of like your own work as it progresses through those stages is so interesting, especially since that last 10% does take 90% of the time that it took you to finish the complete thing, you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. <laughs> like Dude, even that, arrangements don't even seem that hard now when you think about that yeah. last ten percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, dude, that that actually happened to me last night. I had turned a track in for feedback to Alexandra and got some really good advice. Like, yo, you know, it's like I like the progression that that lead is doing, but it's feeling a little basic. Like, you should probably go in and like do one more mud pie on it to like, you know, find some really you know, sparky ear candy moments. And it's like, all of a sudden, like the entire song just shifted. It's like, wow, the thing I thought was the lead is now the background sound. And that <laughs> little, the little thing I checkerboarded in the holes is now the lead sound of the whole song. Like the song just transformed in an, you know, in an hour last night, like, oh, right, <laughs> this part. Dude, just like a spark, boom. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. Dang, so, dude. Uh, yeah. Oh, go ahead, brother. I was just going to ask, so having gone through that now, do you find any significant changes in the way that you approach starting ideas versus before? Oh, man, yes, definitely. Um, I, like, started out writing um, bars, right, like the infinite loop and, like, the shit you get stuck in. Uh, and then now I try to utilize the super loop as like something I look at as like a matrix. Like I can hear all the elements playing at once and know that I'm not going to listen to it in that context. You know, sometimes, sometimes the super loop works at like the awesome second drop or whatever, but you know what to do with it at that point. So getting stuck. So that helps. But mostly the technique I use now, we were talking about this like yesterday is, uh, um, like mud pies, but also random generation with like intent. And so whether it's like, you know, recording MIDI and, you know, finding like crazy melodies from like arpeggiators and like adding rest to them or like throwing in different scales or something that has really helped me get creative whenever I have a lack of ideas versus like, oh, I know what chords I want to do in this progression. You know, sometimes I like to take that Mr. Bill approach where I want the computer to do something so I can react to it. And that kind of like <laughs> goes against everything that I'm used to, which is normally, all right, get your kick, get your clap, get your hi-hat. All right, let's make some tech house. <laughs> but yeah. now it's becoming more um, inspiring and random. We're like, you know, for 64 bars, I'll have some sort of atmosphere or textural background and it will not repeat the same sequence once. And so it just always moves something. And like, as a listener, if you know, you listen to music all the time, you really notice that after a while, it's like, 
for us producers, we could listen to our song a thousand times and that's fucking it. <laughs> oh, excuse my language, but yeah, that's it. Oh, you're good. <laughs> no need uh, to excuse. I click the explicit button when I upload the podcast yeah. every time, man. <laughs> good I, I ain't going to censor my damn self, man. No how. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yo, we've got a we've got a listener named Kfish who always has the most prescient questions. Like literally, I have this list over here just in case we had a lull and I needed to ask a question. The top question is what is your process for starting new tracks? Do you generally have an idea before you get started or do you just jam until something starts sounding good? Oh man. Pretty sure so Kfish. Kfish, are you psychic? Yes. <laughs> That's what's up, man. <laughs> Mind reader. <laughs> we love you, Kfish. You're the man. Shout outs. It's funny, though. Like, it was something that you mentioned is like creating organized chaos and then, you know, getting the results as feedback and, like, you know, the two way process of experimenting, listening to what it did, and then continuing. Um, it's always. It's funny because when you start producing, you have this concept of like, all these ideas in my head are going to be the masterpiece that I create. And then once you get better, you start to realize that actually the real beauty of the process of making electronic music a lot of the time is the, for lack of a better term, two-way communication that you have with the DAW. You know, it seems like it would be a very one-way street, but in reality, most of the interesting things that I come up with are an idea of how to set something up. And then like, I think this might sound cool. What does it sound like? And play it and be like, oh, that kind of sparks this idea for this other thing that I could do. But really you're like experimenting, getting the feedback and iterating on that experiment, right? So it really ends up being more of like a two-way communication process than anyone or myself would have ever thought, you know, starting, starting the journey of getting good at, at production. It's always been kind of one of those cool secret touches about, cause it's not like, it's not like you're just doing this in a vacuum by yourself, creating every single tiny little bit of cool stuff. It's, it's a lot of iteration on experimentation, which which is like a really fun process in and of itself. So it just becomes really, really like intrinsically motivating because you know that there's always boundless results that you would never have expected at any given point. Yeah, it's Man. like action and reaction. Yeah. I was going to say, Tesco was blowing my mind yesterday with some philosophy concepts, but That's what just. you just said, yeah. <laughs> but man... Does. What you just said is like describing a relationship that's like so intrinsic to yourself. Like yeah. you, you're you're dating yourself in this like intense production marriage. <laughs> uh -huh. but like and yeah. learning what works and what are the beauties of that like um, duration. <laughs> that's crazy, man. Yeah, yeah. So like you know, speaking of that, I mean, obviously there's a lot of ways to start to, to touch directly on Kate Fish's question. There's a lot of right answers for how to start a track. Like, you know, if you have an idea that you can, I often come to the track with some sort of spark idea. And for me, it's usually something I'm beatboxing or something I'm like humming or whistling. And I'd be that's like, awesome. Oh, that's a fun little melody. That's the way my brain works. It, there is a constant, radio station in the back of my head of rhythms 
and melodies that just play. And it's like every once in a while, one of them catches me enough when I'm walking towards the dog. Like I'll be coming out of the shower with a beatbox idea that I made a song last week like that. And uh, that, that one I sent you on feedback, Evan, that was uh, the wolf whistle, the whistle. I was like literally just whistling that walking through my living room. And I'm like, I'm going to turn on the mic and lay this whistle down. And I don't know what's going to happen. But then to that, it's not that I had this whole song planned out of what it was going to be. I had one melody. It was like a Mm. one bar melody that I was like, and I was like, Oh, that's kind of fun. And I laid that down and then I like doubled it. And then I was like, what if I put a distorted layer on top of it? And oh, that's fun. And what if, Ooh, what if I do some ooze? Ooh. And I'm like, Ooh. And what if I do some us? Ah. And I'm like, use that for a buildup. And then I was like, let me take the end of this buildup, run it across the track, and do a crazy mud pie on it and see what happens. Nice. And then I just kept the best chunks for the drop. And then I sent All it right. to Evan four times. So like, what's working? What's not? <laughs> He's like, this part's awesome. That part's meh. I think that part needs to be quieter and that part needs to be louder. And okay, cool. Draft three. What's up? And then just keep back and forth with with a sensei at the dojo or with, you know, you know, a friend that knows what they're talking about or even yeah, just a, yeah. a person who likes good music that you can send to it. Like, do you hate this? Do you love any of it? Uh, yeah, I, I like that one because it's, it's different. It obviously didn't come from a place of, I want to make something that sounds like X. It's just like, let's throw some cool shit in there and see what happens. I have this spark of something catchy and then let's see where it takes me. Um, yeah, that's that, that kind of like we, we touch on this semi-regularly on this podcast, but authenticity is so important regardless of execution. If you don't have an authentic idea, it's really hard to, it's really hard to, place your stamp on something you know even if you execute skrillex light really really well you're still skrillex light you're not whoever you are you know and like that wolf whistle track is a perfect example of exactly something that i'm pretty sure only you could make yeah probably (laughs) send that shit over after I will do. Like, I will do. Yeah, you're going to creep into my DM. You're going to love it. You've got this like super intentionally distorted intro to the breakdown. It is just so choice. Oh, I already know. I love it just by the sounds of it. I think too, to touch up on that, like having a diverse way of coming up with ideas. And if you don't have an idea, having a diverse catalog of methods to come up with ideas, whether it's, generating them chaotically like you guys talked about or whether it's whistling it or whether it's like like i got fl studio mobile on my phone recently and i got spire after we talked luke and i generated some ideas i never would have if i didn't specifically start a song recording into my phone so you know as long as you don't think so much about what the idea sounds like right off the bat and you approach it from that drafting process it doesn't matter. Just pick a series of motions to go through and go through it. And it should yield some sort of results. We won't say good or bad, but (laughs) that's, that's, you know, irregardless of the fact, you're still going to have something and it is sort of a numbers game at the end of the day. 
Yeah. One of my recipes for disaster and dissatisfaction with my music was fully developing how a song was supposed to sound before sitting down on my dog. Like, I know exactly mm. what the patch is going to be, and I know exactly how the drums are going to sound. And then I spend all my time either trying to find that sound in my library or trying to create that sound, none of which are efficient practices. But if you just go in with that spark mentality, like, oh, here's a rhythm, you know, here's a melody, or you know, even better, here's a track I want to break down in the arrangement exercise and let's roll with it. Like, this is like, I'm going to make a song that's in this general vibe at this tempo with this groove and then just run with it and put your own ideas on top of it however they show up. Yeah, you just touched on something super important is that the amount of time you're going to waste to get something that's in your head into your computer, if you want it to sound the exact same, you're going to lose it you're you're not it's it's never going to be the exact same as it sounds in your head so especially if you have like a melody or a chord progression or a rhythm even if it's three elements write all of them in the init saw patch first and then come back and figure out how to get as close as you can if you even want to at that point but a lot of the time the beauty like we talked about is that you will pull up one of the patches you made two weeks ago, like, oh, this might sound cool. And it ends up like amazing. Like the LFO re-trigger isn't on and the pattern that you play makes some sort of additional rhythm that you didn't expect. And you're like, oh shit, that's so fucking cool. If you if you spend all of your time, like you said, trying to force what you're making to sound like the the spark that was in your head, then you're never going to get to a complete song because you don't have all of the articulations of a complete song in your head. You have, you have the genesis of the idea. And being okay with the fact that that genesis is not going to be the exact same as what you end up with is how you actually come up with good and interesting music. Yeah, the music that you didn't expect to create and stuff. I think that's probably the answer to the question then. You know, like, get down your pattern slash rhythm then worry about your note selection and then get your sound design. And then it kind of just all starts to gel. <laughs> yeah. Totally. So you yeah. talked about something, sorry, Tess, you want to jump in with something before I switch the subject? No, I was just going to say, I always seen it like those free gliders that like jump off the mountain in those like suits or whatever. Small suits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> if you don't have an idea of how you're going to approach this, like, am I going to go straight down and even out? Am I like, like, where am I headed to? Like some sort of basic idea, you're probably going to crash into a tree and really harm yourself or let's just say end up with some results you're not happy with versus building a good relationship and getting comfortable with just like starting the idea is like having that confidence to to jump off and just see where it takes you sort of thing totally mm -hmm. yeah so uh you mentioned that you have some you know prior experience in music as a hobby i was wondering if you could dive into that what that experience was and um how whatever you know, previous life in music that you had has like kind of influenced or, or completely not influenced what you do now? Like how has that affected how you approach things? Uh, yeah, man. Um, I'll try and make this short and concise. <laughs> this is your uh, episode. You get to do yeah. whatever you want. Yeah, my episode. Yeah. Uh, 
really good question though. And I appreciate you asking. It. Um, so my mom and dad, actually, I'm like the youngest out of three kids, but my mom and dad were in their own rock band and they actually sick like, met here in Austin, Texas. And they owned a club on six and San Jacinto on the corner. Now, mind you, this is, yeah, man. <laughs> Anytime you're here, we'll go hang out. Amen. Well, you know, social distance from some of the crazier folks, but you know, <laughs> we'll have a good time. <laughs> uh, so anyways, they had a club on six San Jacinto and like my uncle was in it and like friends that they have had for years and like, you know, bled with, cried with and all of that sweat on the brow. And so they built this garage into like an actual studio. So it's like floating floor, soundproof uh, walls, all that, because they were like rock and roll band, you know? And uh, so somewhere around that time, I was born when they got this house. And I'm like super fortunate to be back here now after like driving a truck, you know, no home except the truck. so good to be back in the roots area because like one of my earliest little videotapes I have of me is like grabbing the microphone as like a toddler and just yelling one word over and over into the microphone <laughs> and uh you gotta tell us what the word is <laughs> kasha <laughs> i don't know what my dope. brain i don't know what my brain was thinking man but it was kasha rules everything around me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll uh I'll, I'll post the the childhood video Yo, you gotta remix that guys. shit you gotta make a song called kasha yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh god and uh man it just you know in when i think about it like uh, remembering like a five-year-old memory like it was just everything in that moment, you know, like time stops, but it was like the best thing. I never wanted the rift to end except on the turnaround. So it's just start again. So that was like, that was the start. Just boom, always around music, right? That's like the traditional artsy fartsy, you know, story for every person who's born into one of these families. And then um, somewhere around like seven or eight, my dad bought me my first guitar and like I'm trying to learn. So he's like, all right, you want to be a guitarist? You really want to know what's up? You're going to learn Rush, Necromancer, and you're going to finger pick it all. <laughs> and I'm like, all right, man, you're freaking crazy. I still could play that uh, song today because that's what taught me. But like everything I play on guitar sounds like that. <laughs> uh, uh, man. Shout outs, father, shout out star. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's and, what's up. Do you ever play use guitar in your music these days? Yeah, man, to make like drones and synths, uh, nice. today, you know, like there's this really interesting technique. You take like a trash bag or like an H-E-B bag and you tape it to the guitar, like near the pickups. And then you hook up a microphone, you know, or well, your cable into your audio interface or whatever microphone to have like a room noise as well. And you put a fan right next to the bag. And as the fan starts to blow the bag, it starts vibrating and you can like go touch notes and stuff and like change the pickups and like the volume and stuff, and it just creates this noise, dude. Yeah, man. You're blowing my mind with this trash bag guitar mud pie. (laughs) Trash bag. (laughs) Oh, you like? How do you make music? Oh, it's super simple. First, you get a trash bag, (laughs) then you get a room fan, and then you get a guitar, and you're pretty much set. Yeah, you got a guitar you can pickups on too, right? Okay, great. So, yeah, man. You can try that one. <laughs> oh, you need a pick, bro? No, nah, you got a trash bag? Yeah, as long as the fan can hum it, you're good, dude. Let me play you can rush. blow on the bag. <laughs> That's awesome. 
yeah, try it. Seriously, it's like really cool. You'd be surprised. <laughs> I'm quite curious now. Um, so bad. You got to make a whole sample pack just just trash bag fan guitar. Oh, uh, dude, if y'all want to release it, I'll do it for just the podcast. It would be like trash bag guitar drones. <laughs> you know? God, we're in. Yeah, oh, yeah, man. Yeah. Here, I hold me too. That. <laughs> You um, ever had trash bag samples? Well, now you do. <laughs> so I wanted to ask you, um, one thing we've talked about, um, it seems like there's sort of a trend with musicians, irregardless of your skill level, where like every three months or so, there's generally like a notable shift in style or techniques, or there's generally some sort of breakthrough. And, um, you know, hearing you talk about that really unconventional technique got me thinking, have you learned anything in like the last little while that has like significantly shaped the way you produce now oh man reason four <laughs> luke, luke likes that answer hey <laughs> yeah reason gang finally Dude, represented i had this like incredibly horrible breakup you know that one that y'all have like when you're oh, a teenager yeah. and stuff so my buddy who was friends with the guy who got with my ex gave him a CD of reason Four, gave that CD to me. And that's how electronic music started you know, going for me. And I loved redrum. And so lately the style of music that I'm trying to get back into as far as like drum programming to just get my bones is to pop open reason Four and just use that redrum dude, <laughs> get in there, dude, and start just uh, step sequencing, you know, because one of my favorite producers it only uses reason. I mean, he might use logic every now and again. But, Who's that? Uh, his name's Shadow Child, man. He's a hey. UK like oh, he's dumb. God. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, dude, reason. And so recently I've been pulling that back out because I've been using the uh, SH101 back there and hey. the Mini Moog. And then I've also got like an old classic Rhodes. So a, a little tidbit of like all this gear, right? It's like, so my mom was the keyboardist for my dad's and friend's band, right? And she bought all these synths that they would like play live. She had like multiple stands where she could play them all. And she's like ambidextrous with it. But it was like all the synths and shit that we like love today that we like fathom, <laughs> you know? <laughs> Holy shit. When I was old enough to finally realize like, oh yeah. It's a fucking Moog. <laughs> Maybe I should be using that. My That's mind was awesome. blown, man. <laughs> well, as soon as we put out this fire that the world is currently engulfed in, uh, yeah, I'm coming to Austin, man. Heck yeah, I miss dude. that awesome town. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's kind of crazy right now because everybody's still, like... Does she still have all of them? All of the ones that she played? Yeah, man, the KX88, the uh, SH-101, the Mini Moog. My dad actually is the one who has uh, the roads. Like his mom, mm. who's, who's uh, mom has passed away, was like, never get rid of it. And so we've like Smart always mama. had that. <laughs> yeah, man. Bro, the roads is one like, of the best sounds of anything uh, that's ever happened to the human ear. Yeah, what's crazy is that when it's not even plugged in and you go hit the keys, like you can hear the tone generate. Like yeah. there's like a little mallet that strikes and you can hear it even when it's not on. It's just like really ominous. <laughs> no, have you ever, uh, you ever taped a trash bag to the roads? 
pretty sick. I will. <laughs> Heck yeah, man. Yeah. I can see that being fire, actually. If the guitar worked, hell yeah. Yeah, man. And uh, I guess outside of like using Reason 4 again, it's just been coming to a mud pies with intent. You know, like mm-hmm. it's really easy to make a mud pie and just like go fucking crazy and you'll get all sorts of results. But like when you have intent behind it, you start like yielding the results that are in your mind in real time, especially when it comes to like melodies and more like melodic based music where you have to have um, some sort of theory happening, you know, to, to something to inspire you, especially when like notes are programmed in, in like a randomizer with an arpeggiator, but also like a chord generator that hits like every, you know, third beat or something on a polymeter or rhythm. And you start just generating these things that you would have otherwise never thought to play unless you're like a traditionally like classic pianist who's gone jazz and said, screw the rules. Cause you know, every rule, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, the Japanese, you know, 40 years to learn martial arts and then another 40 years to unlearn martial arts. <laughs> then you are master. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, man. Um, so, okay, two things. Uh, for people that don't know, we talked about Mud Pies and you can find out about it in the description at Producer Dojo. Um, second off, I wanted to get a bit more insight into your uh, process then using Reason. Are you creating all of the like foundational parts within reason and then switching it over back to Ableton and mud pieing it there? Or are you sticking mainly in reason now and mud pieing within reason? How do you go about integrating that into your workflow? Man, I need a total session with Trap Jesus to show me how to mud pie and reason. Cause <laughs> 100% got you. Got yes. you, bro. Also, just throwing this out there, you know they're on Reason 11, right? And everything that you love about 4 is still there, but everything that 4 was missing is now exists, yes. along with like 15 more incredible instruments. Man, when I, I remember when I had Reason 4 and they were like, by the way, we're going to come out with Kong. I was like, oh, shit, Kong. Yeah, Kong is <laughs> still my, I still use Kong on a daily basis, bro. But yeah, I mean, I just happened to have like, you know, a ripped version of four and it's just been like gold to me. And like, I cherish it. <laughs> One of these days I'll have to put money back into it. Yeah, but. man, I recommend it, bro. Especially because with the new version, the entire rack is now a VST plugin. So you can open Ableton, start a new MIDI channel and open the VST Reason rack Oh, and be rocking with with redrum and whatever else you want. Some of the reason classic effects and do that whole thing. It's like having a whole Euro mod rack inside your DAW, and you can like flip it around if you want to get nuts with it and like change the cable routing. Be like, oh, I'm going to take the LFO from this device and put it on that device that doesn't have an LFO and mess with the dry wet. So, man, I'm a big big reason nerd. You, first off, you should get an affiliate link. Second off, <laughs> yes. uh, not going to lie, I'm working on that. I am going to make that happen. Do it up. That was a hard sell. Second off, I feel like it sounds a little better when you have that petty win over your ex's new boyfriend. You, oh, no, you man. We're all, we're all good now, man. We're all good. There's no bad blood. Yeah, bro, makes the master sound <laughs> better. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, 
I just, I don't, I, uh, I've used reason and I should be using obviously 11 because it's the exact way that Jeff Jesus was just saying, like, I want to use it as an extension to bring into Ableton. Ableton's been like a godsend for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I know there's that whole like dog war, like, oh, you know, logic, it's warmer. And so I was like, man, I could just outboard my shit into an analog you know mixer and then send it right back in it's gonna sound way better than any dog but anyways <laughs> or get a tape plug in vst <laughs> it's like yeah, all right harmonics yeah. hey, done man, trash bag, <laughs> get bag. A trash bag. <laughs> put, you need a vst take, for that if you yeah, use man. logic take it and put it in the trash bag and then go get ableton or reason uh, <laughs> 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 no shade to logic on the real if you i know people who make magic in every single logic. that's true man and so like feuds between religions like y'all are trying to teach the same thing be a good person what are we trying to do make good music who the fuck cares yeah, yeah right yeah. and it's not even like and it's like it's like ah i'm a methodist screw those baptists it's like bro you're basically if from the outside i can't tell the difference i'm not gonna lie and are i'm jesus hate <laughs> hey man tell your dad i say what's up dang dude <laughs> that escalated quickly okay <laughs> Yo, so uh, I want to re-touch uh, us back into K-Fish's questions because it lines up with something awesome Rip Kenny said earlier about how the, you know, it's like this, um, you know, relationship between you and your DAW and us and the technology. And speaking of technology, a second question is, any thoughts about the role of AI in the future of music producing? And uh, the, and the parenthetical is, Tesco, you're a programmer, right? <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, you want to talk about that first, Dylan? All right. Well, my uh, brain immediately goes to the AI, but uh, can we paraphrase the first part of the question real quick for me? <laughs> uh, any any thoughts about the role of AI in the future of music producing? That's just oh, that's just that's the question. Okay, question. Awesome. All right. Yeah. Cool. Uh, sorry, I thought there was two parts, but. Uh, AI, man, I think like random generating is probably the closest thing to it right now. Um, I think it's cool that we have services like Lander and SoundCloud for folks that need that at, you know, to be accessible if they don't have anybody in their community or whatever to get a good master. And that will at least, you know, take a track from quiet to a little bit louder. Um, I went to a Cymatics uh, like gathering here in Houston once, man. Uh, it's their like, you know, um, beer social slash let's show some of our tracks. And I cannot tell you how many producers brought their hip hop and it was just like <laughs> redlining, just terrible 808s. And I'm like, oh my God, it's just too loud. And imagine if they would have, you know, just took a second, took their tracks and, you know, did like a really solid mix down and then trusted this AI to help them just just to pause a little more than just like overdoing it with the volume. Cause you know, could be that they have small speakers could be that they're doing headphones. Like could be, that they could be anything. I know what they're doing. Yeah. And I think AI will help a lot of people who are trying to express themselves with music, get quality sounds. Um, I think everyone at the dojo, especially like the senses, you all know that those services are like absolute garbage and maybe i'm just talking for y'all but it dude i I cannot stand lander and i cannot stand the new soundcloud one i I tried them both but it just 
I don't know, man. Not good AI. <laughs> you know, I mean, I know. Yeah. On, I think the better your mix is, the better Lander can do. You know, yeah. um, and as you're saying, like if you have absolutely no idea how to master, and you don't have any of the plugins that make it work well, and you don't know the order to put them in, Lander is so much better of an option than, like you said, just redlining and squashing the hell out of your track and and letting it distort and clip. And I know a lot of people who are really good producers who have pretty solid mix downs, but have just decided that like learning mastering is not something they really care about because when they just need to show the beat to the artist in a, this isn't out yet, do you want to write to this kind of way? lander is plenty it's just like all right solid mix it's louder now you can bump it in your car or on your headphones and then by the time the artist writes to it and takes it to their engineer and then sends it off to their mastering engineer then it's actually handled by a real person but um this january i was in la for nam and i uh, stayed a few extra days with my homie don dinopoli from i standard and he took me to a grammy party and uh, among meeting some other really cool folks like uh, young Keo, uh, who produced Old Town Road, super nice Dutch oh, dude. Uh, nice. Um, yeah. Uh, then I also got introduced to this guy, Daniel Rowland, who invented Lander. And he is like a legit top tier mastering engineer. And like for, you know, whatever reason, for fun or for, you know, like maybe he had the business idea already. He just like set up an AI on his computer that just was on and paying attention and analyzing and machine learning every single session he mastered to understand like what are the general sonic differences between a mix and a master through hundreds and thousands of mixes to the point where he's like, all right, now let me just run it through that. Okay, yeah, it's a little better than it was before. Okay, it's getting a little better than that. And he's a super cool dude. So shouts out to Daniel. I was really skeptical about Lander at first until I realized that it doesn't really threaten my position as a, a decent mastering engineer and definitely doesn't threaten anybody, any human's position as an extremely dope mastering engineer because the folks who are paying for Lander to master their stuff weren't going to be paying top tier mastering engineers in the first place. And that's kind of the point, right? It's like, this is a pretty solid way to go about it. If you're not going to really invest in it. Dude, 100%. you just like nailed it all. You know, it's like people who don't want to master their own tracks. Like that is the viable way. And that just also answers the question, like does AI have a role and what is its role? It's like helping those uh, in that position. Right. Um, for me, like I really wanted to learn like mixing mastering because I just I want to be able to package it all myself. Like it's that whole I guess broken record that uh, Dead Mouse always talks about. He's like, but if you look at you know um, any pop artist's album that's on like mainstream radio, it's like a thousand names. Whereas like all of y'all's EPs and like everything on the dojo essentially is coming down to like two, three names at most, and that's like including artwork and then like outmasters, you know, and that's like that's crazy because that's all you you did it all yourself and like i just get hyped by that so no disrespect uh i still stand by what i said for lander man but you just gave me really good insight that like here's this dude who like made a complete fill for a need of many musicians whether that's like in my ego or not i still respect that 
Yeah, Probably. once I took my ego, just like you're saying, once I took my ego out of the situation, I'm like, oh, I can, I've been spending my time to learn this and realize that's <laughs> fine. There's so many things I want to ignore and not learn and outsource. And Absolutely. If, for other folks, that's mastering. Good on you. You can pay a professional or you can get a lander subscription or you can do both. And it's all good. It's yeah. good having the insight for sure. But yeah, definitely. Do you want to write another song or master your last three? Dang, that's a good and hard question at the same time. <laughs> if you want to learn mastering and you choose to learn mastering and you practice on every single track you write that you also practice mixing and then you practice mastering and it's just part of your process, it gets way faster. Like yeah. I have a template, I have a, a plug-in rack that I drag and drop onto my master chain and I go through the, the process and a lot of the times going through that process shows me the subtle imbalances in my mix. It's like, oh, when it was quiet, the snare sounded great. And now that it's completely compressed in all the right ways, I'm realizing that there is some issues in the pain zone of my snare and I need to go make a couple more EQ dips so that I don't break eardrums. Yeah. And finish. And, and so like, you know, the process gets faster, the more you do it, but whatever processes you want to figure out that's production you know like the songwriting is its own part production is taking a song and getting it to the point where it's viable a product and that's mixing and mastering and the 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 templates and all of that shit and so pick which parts of those you want to get good at get really good and fast at them and outsource the others it's dope yeah well i was just the concept of like someone that's like really good at mixing and then feels like mastering is a dark art I, I don't i don't i don't even get that like if you can mix your own song i mean this is a hot take here but mastering is it's easy it's not that complicated and like the thing that i think mastering actually does bring value in it when you send it to someone is a second set of ears on what you're doing most of the time your issue mastering if you are really a good mix engineer you just heard the song too many times and you have lost the ability to objectively look at the balance of things and you're missing the little the little stuff that your your own brain simply smooths over because that's what it's trained our ears to do um kind of smooth over things that you've heard a million times and make it sound like how you want it to even though it doesn't um so i mean that's Anyone that's worried about like their mastering engineer job being taken by Lander, I think that's just silly. But pro tip for all you producers out there who want a landering, Lander service for free, make your own master chain, put a gain knob at the start, and then whatever first compressor in your chain set some sort of threshold for what that should be set at for the rest of the chain to work properly and then just adjust the input gain so that it hits that first compressor at for me it's 2 dbs of gain reduction on the first glue compressor and there you go my my lander service takes the exact same amount of time one minute if i want to test master something put my master chain on there move the input gain until it hits the first compressor at 2 dbs of reduction i know that it's hitting the rest of the chain after that at the right level boom done keywords rough master there though and the so, mix checker yeah <laughs> yeah there's definitely a reason why mastering engineer is a whole ass job in and of itself and 
definitely like a quick and dirty master is good because you should be mixing for the master. I'd say um, there's like some slight mix things that you're going to do that are going to sound more leveled in the final version than in the bare mix. And I think that's worth accounting for. But overall, I agree. Like once you get a decent understanding of mastering, just make a rough chain. Um, and I was also going to say on the topic of AI, I see a lot of potential with some of the smart tools like Soothe or... Um, Bullfoss. Which one? Bullfoss. I have not heard of that. Was that That's the one that Tyson was using when we were in Montana? Shouts yeah. to Nintendo, our good buddy. We got to get him on this oh, podcast. Dude. I saw him the other day. He's, he's, uh, he's getting back into the swing of um, online engagement. And, yeah, he uh, took some time off of the internet, didn't he? Good yeah, for him. I don't blame him. Right. Yeah. At least so. And, Social uh, media diet, like we talked about the other week. Yeah. Yeah, but it's amazing. He's looking super healthy, dude. So. Oh, he is. It helped, man. Yeah. yeah. Definitely. He worked out like 59 out of 60 days in May and June. How many times have y'all done that ever in your life? 59 out of 60 days. Oh, commitment, man. <laughs> not, a, not once, man. <laughs> Man, yeah, good on him. Shout outs to Nintendo. Um, yeah, AI is super fascinating. I think um, there's a bunch of applications past Lander, um, which seem really promising, like some of the smart VSTs and stuff like that. But I haven't seen, maybe, maybe besides chord progression generation, because it's so limited, you know, there's there's like serious application, but as far as like writing melodies or making any intelligent audio processing moves or anything like that, they're really great to give you a starting point at most. I can't see a future where an AI can consider things like emotion, even through, I don't care how many variables you give it to calculate in its decision tree, it's not going to be able to make a heartfelt melody that compares to the song that you made luke by whistling so mm. i think and it's no threat but it's cool that's probably the only ai that i want is this concept right here it's like vr it jacks into your mind though what you feel and what you perceive is then put out you know that I'm all for it. Hook me in. <laughs> I wonder how complex that would be or if it'd be like some binaural beat type thing. <laughs> Red pill, blue pill, take food. <laughs> I mean, even I know Kung Fu. <laughs> you think that's air you're breathing? <laughs> <laughs> even if you went and like had a database of every chord progression that 90% of people considered, you know, dramatic or you know epic or whatever adjective and you had a computer machine learn so that it could spit that back out that doesn't mean that it can make a good song and even if you did to the fullest extent of this concept even if you did have a, a program that could take every single aspect of the music making system and machine learn different ways to do it and put them all together, it is still not going to pass the test that we had already talked about in this, which is authenticity. Mm. If, you're, if you're worried about your spot as Skrillex Light, 
AI will replace you. Oh, dear God, you're right. You shouldn't be worried about that. And you know what? Something can't machine learn, something that's never been made before. I can see AI getting really good at making that, like, this is, like, a really bad song behind a corporate training video. Yes. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They already have, there's this app that literally has, like, generative music that is, like, loops and sequences and drum beats and you say i have this certain mood and it'll like select from all the loops that it has and put them together into an arrangement and make you a song i listen to it it's background it's good background music it is thoroughly ignorable (laughs) (laughs) uh spin scriptures (laughs) yeah Uh, man so one uh, one thing I wanted to get into, um, and we got sessions afterwards, um, and I think this would be a pretty good wrap. Um, I want to give a shout out to Gridham Beats. He got in touch with me recently. We were chatting, um, and he wanted um, us to talk more about some perspective mindset stuff. He found that very insightful, and um, like I said earlier, Dylan, like. I feel like we always have really insightful conversations and I'd love to hear some of your insight on like um, what sort of mindset um, or belief systems have given you like the most gains in your production or songwriting or just like expression when it comes to the new stuff you've been making. Oh man. Is there anything in particular that I said in our like one-on-one that may have stood out to you because I could go so many directions? <laughs> um, feel free to just go with whatever first comes to your mind. Man. Okay. Well, belief systems, man. So I think it starts a lot with like theology, to be honest. Like music is something that binds us together and theology is always like that did it happen? It's like religion and all this taking place and how has it shaped and pushed us forward? And music is kind of like that, right? Like it just, it's this thing that's not really tangible. Like you can play an instrument, but can you really hold the sound and stuff? And so to me, it's like having stages uh, of even your life or like, you know, the arrangement of a song. So like the philosophy to me is kind of like a year, the grand year, a solar year. You know, you have the spring of your life, then you have the summer of your life. And this is like the exaltation of the sun. It's the brightest. It's the most like hottest. Everything's happening. Uh, all the seeds that you planted are sowing. So this could be your beats. It could be when you're in flow state or when you're in a Zen, like meditative state and everything's just like perfect. And then you start coming into the fall, you know, and that's where you start to rest and like uh, enjoy the fruits of your labor. And then you hit winter And that's like the end, that's the final crescendo or maybe the ominous somber uh, release. And when you listen to music and you're creating music, I think every bit has some sort of alchemy to it. Um, There's this guy named Head Flux, amazing like side breaks and like other epic-esque kind of side desert dwellers style music. And he does something called um, uh, audio alchemy or production alchemy. And there's like a two, three hour video he has on YouTube. And he literally has broken down like frequencies to color for chromiosthesias to all the way 
of like finding what chords and what BPMs are in the seasons of this year, of this like grand solar year. So like if you're in the middle of summer or like, you know, we're say October, right? Halloween, like what that is, all Hallows Eve, you start writing music and that like feeling and those colors and those themes and like that philosophy right there is just like totally blown my mind because even if I'm not writing, like say, you know, October's like 80 BPM, well, say I just take like uh, something to hit 80 BPM in the track at some point to like elicit that feeling. And like I said, Headflux has like really done his studies for like, I don't know how many years, but he's like got charts and like all of this stuff perfectly mapped out to like alchemy of a song. Like you'll know what elements are water, air, earth, uh, fire, and ether, and like what's missing in your song and how much do you need of each. And we already do that intuitively as producers. It's just like, uh, you know, something in our uh, astrology and all that, right? But that alone just like changed it. You know, when you like hear a track and you're like, man, something's missing. Well, with like a system, a strong system of your intuition and your gut and creativity, you can find out like what element am I missing? Like is, you know, for house music, that kick and clap, man, or kick and snare, like that's the foundation. It's very earthy. It's just there. But then you start getting like air with hi-hats and the rhythms of hi-hats and like whooshes and all that kind of like, um, what do we say in the jo uh, dojo, like the horizontal, the very, the sway, you know, and stuff like that has been the most groundbreaking breaking philosophy uh, mindset for me as far as creativity and how to um, add or take away. So that's definitely like a whole <laughs> of like, craziness but look into no, fucking love head it. flux man if y'all haven't seen his alchemy presentation it's amazing love it i love that that's definitely a really unique perspective and way to think about music i could i could tell you got more in your brain about something about philosophy i, I liked hearing you explain all that i really enjoyed that do you have anything else on the subject or man. or just in general philosophy about music well, I really appreciate you saying that, man. And as long as I'm not taking up y'all's time, I know y'all have sessions. Y'all no. good, awesome no, you teachers. Good. Thank you for what y'all do. <laughs> Love man. It, man. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's crazy to think, like, as far as philosophy of music, right? Like, I was just, I guess this kind of ties back into, like, Lander and, like, doing your own stuff as well. Is that, like, for me, I don't want AI making my music because I want to feel it. I want to be a part of it. It keeps me sane. It keeps me from being a bad person. Needless to say, it's like a religion, but without the context of that, all the people need to follow this set of rules. Like I think every producer kind of has their own-esque of why they do it. But it's kind of like touching a synthesizer, you know, like old hardware or analog gear. Like it's something about being like really in tune with it. So... Sometimes I don't think it's so much about like the quality as much as it is the feeling. And I was just talking with my friend about this. There's this guy named Dax Riggs. He's got like three or four albums that he's never released and he's still working on them today. But all his songs that have been released are recorded from live shows. And I'm telling you right now, 
I rock the fuck out every time I hear him do cover songs or his originals on a cell phone or like tape recorder because of what is being put into it. It's like so much feeling and emotion that you get this like uh, illicit experience that like whether you want to know more or you have questions of like, how did he come up with this chord progression or why does he sing this way? And to me, I think that's, you know, uh, probably the key element, the golden nugget as like, uh, was it Seth Drake, right? The nugget. Yeah. Seth Drake, yeah, man. Yeah, dude. He always talks about like the nugget. I think it's more so the quality and the heart you put into it. And again, like I, that's why I kind of tie it into that whole head flux, like alchemy, like you're literally taking a bunch of stuff that is the components of a song. And then you are turning lead into gold. You're literally fusing something that's nothing. Literally, you know, that whole thing where people say, you can't just make something out of nothing. Well, <laughs> you as a musician do. And it's like this magic, the muse, like the the angels or whatever it is that you will call it. For me, I easily can just say the muse. And I think almost everybody knows what I'm talking about. And it's just like, it's talking to you. And it's like, there's a hundred people getting the same message. But typically when you're doing something so intuitively and like instinctual, you're like, man, I'm listening. And I'm just like a filter for this to come out. Because there may just be one person, just one person who hears your song that need to hear that song at that day, at that time, that just was like destiny, you know? And so I think that's kind of one thing uh, <laughs> Tesco and I got into. It's like uh, the moment that we stop thinking that we're sent by God, except you, Jeff Jesus, <laughs> you know, to, uh, to write the music that's supposed to change and save the world and shape a generation stuff. When you stop thinking like that's your purpose and you just start kind of being the filter and doing that, you're more sent by God at that standpoint and making music because you're kind of like out of this ego state where you're like, oh, I'm going to be this amazing thing and do these amazing things. And it's got to be my way or the highway. And the next thing you know, you let that all go and shit starts happening for you. And you're Can like, I get oh. an amen? <laughs> yeah. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Yeah, man. I appreciate the blessings, Jesus. <laughs> Bro, I 100% feel you, man. Like that, that exact idea really changed my life as a producer going from like, I think I'm supposed to do this because it's supposed to be that as opposed to like, I got a little idea and I'm going to take it through the filter of who I am and how I play shit and what process I've set up for myself and just allow it to be what it is. It's more fun and the results are better and having fun with it and having good results are the only way you're going to get it out to anybody to have them connect with it, to even have a chance at changing the world or being the voice of a generation. Man, that's hundred percent true. What do you think Tesco and Kenny, man? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Go for it, Evan. Uh, man, I, I, I think that a lot of that is like really just tied back to the concept of like letting go of your ego. You know, it's like a lot of times when I was, you know, starting out and trying to make something that was amazing, that would impress my friends and that everyone would say is good. Like you end up making something 
that is like just not, it just doesn't impress anyone. If you try to impress people, you don't impress anyone. The moment that you're like, I'm gonna make music only for me, or I'm gonna just take my inspiration and just throw it in there, and I'm not thinking about how I'm going to be on EDC main stage as you're riding this baseline and you're like 20 minutes into making the song and you just create for the joy of creation and what you like and just keep running it past the do I like this test as you go you just end up with stuff that's way better and mm, authenticity man exactly <laughs> exactly I get that vibe off you man I really dig that <laughs> It's honestly, it's, it's one of those things. Like I made music for four years that was trying to, for lack of a better way to put it, like trying to impress, like that I thought people would like, cause it sounded like other stuff that I liked and that other people liked. And that the, the real harsh truth is that like, if you don't have something unique to say, no one fucking cares. Man, but don't you think that like you had to go through those first yeah. stages yeah. Yeah. so you could like shed all of that and then be like, oh, I'm that's conscious. A, that's, that's a really good way to put it. That's a really good way to put it. Yeah, and you have like, to get it. You have to get good at the process of production and writing. And, you know, if that means going through and working on this kind of music that you like and like, all right, I like house music. Let me make house music. Oh, now I like dubstep music. Let me make dubstep music. And then eventually you're like, Oh, actually I found this like weird Venn diagram of the four things I copied. Hmm. I exist in the middle of this and I can take my favorite elements from each one and do something nobody else is doing and then run with that. Now that I'm actually skilled at taking ideas and running through them, them through my machine. Dude, Tesco, you were saying this like, like archetypes though, you know, like you find the archetype in your process or your relationship or like the, uh, uh, the thought process of how you're going to start a song or when you're in a song, you know, it's like an archetype. You have to like have these parts filled in before you can really bring it all together and make something unique. Totally. Yeah. I mean, um, tying into that, like analogy of like, you know, tuning into something and the idea flowing through you. I think that whole phase that you guys talked about is sort of this calibration phase where you're like tuning yourself to your genuine, let's say frequency that now the divine source of creativity can pick up on and just freely channel that, genuity through you because like i'm sure you guys would agree when you're in that flow state and it's happening you're just it's just happening to you you are the vessel of expression for this idea that's coming to you and what you're really doing is you know tuning your tools and 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 sharpening your tools and whatever so that you can go through that process more effortlessly and you're more prepared and you know what to expect And as soon as you get into that flow state is sort of when you're tapped into that, like divine inspiration or whatever um, you want to call it. I think divine is a fair word. Um, 
Hey, we had a whole episode called that, so yeah, I agree. Yeah, check that episode out if if you don't feel the same way or if you do feel the same way and want to check it out. But I think most creatives could agree. It's like this intimate process that is almost godlike. You're creating something, you're imagining something and like being the vessel of expression to bring this thing into existence. It's almost like birthing a child in a sense. I mean, shout outs women for, you know, keeping the species alive. This is definitely <laughs> way and fucking writing a song, but um, yeah, I feel it, it's tied in a sense. I don't know how else to describe it besides like, it's almost like this act of like worship for the, I'm, I know you guys would all agree. It's not like, you could decide today I'm done with music and you'd be unbothered. It's almost like this inner itch that calls for you and it tells you when it's time, like when it's really, really time. Obviously we show up every day, but like when is go time? When you come out of that shower and you're whistling that melody that you don't know where the hell that shit came from, that is fucking divine. And you are like worshiping that divinity through going to your DAW and like expressing this idea. Man, I like the uh, theological approach you just took, man. Heck yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very nuanced topic uh, because I feel like most people's mind jumps to like religion and like which religion's right and blah, blah, blah. But just, just that idea of divinity and inspiration being like something that you tap into that sort of blesses you, let's say, for lack of a better term. I think is an idea worth entertaining because the more you can like cultivate that relationship like you would a friendship or like you would a relationship with, let's say, a God, I think it pays off um, and you feel this like deeper, stronger bond to it that ultimately like benefits you and helps you get your best ideas out. It's like a two-sided relationship that you have with yourself kind of if you don't want to believe in this as like a separate entity but that's just my opinion on it that i've come to like feel most importantly and and you know understand along the years but uh yeah we got to get you on for like a part two that's just like that's (laughs) just like philosophy and and going off about this because yeah super nuanced topic and and in some ways attached to religion, but also really detached. And it's more using that as like a tool to sort of um, entertain a new perspective. I think it's really refreshing and I appreciate we can talk about that all the time. So definitely yeah, got to plan, uh, to plan a part two at some time in the future. I think people would enjoy that. Well, dude, it's definitely like an honor to be on here with you guys, you know, Uh, like all of us students like look up to you guys and you know we all are like one day we will have our place amongst you and be a teacher (laughs) hey you're getting there man one of these days you're getting there i can't (laughs) wait i can't wait for people to hear your ep um oh yeah that's a thing (laughs) yeah you want to talk about that briefly what people can expect from you what you're moving towards and where they can find you yeah plug the pluggables Oh, yeah, man. Cool. Uh, yeah, so the EP, um, there's not like an exact set date. Uh, I'm just waiting to hear back from Sean with all that. And I actually have to mm-hmm. send him something tonight. But he goes to Spider-Hound. Yeah, dude. He has a great episode, too. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's legit. Dude, it's awesome, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, Sean's a great guy. So uh, the EP is a mix between 
Well, the core songs are mixed between Future Garage and house music. And house is like more like deep progressive, but not in the sense of like arrangements and whatnot. It's very simple, like three to four minute tracks. Um, no uh, nine minutes. No nine minute drone. Dude, <laughs> if they would have let me, I would have trash bag all the way. <laughs> Man, I'm gonna send y'all a sample pack of that now, <laughs> and y'all are gonna be like, yes. <laughs> I will Man. use them. Heck wow. yeah, dude. Uh, so. You can kind of expect that. Now, the fifth track is actually something that came out on the uh, Urban Tea House, and I think I can release that because it's already out at this I moment. Mean, that one's out. We'll, yeah, link it. Yeah. we'll link it below. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Which is kind of cool, man, because it's like the first EP and the first like single on the dojo that was released that my dad and I did. He did the vocals. Like That's all him. So, dude. Yeah, wow. Which is funny because, dude, when I was driving a truck, I was in Connecticut, called him at 11 p.m. I was like, hey, man, we're, I'm doing this cypher. I need some lyrics. I need a vocal, like, now. So he, it's like 11 p.m. He's like, oh, I could probably do that tomorrow. I'm like, no, now, Dad. <laughs> you know, Dude does it, chooses, like, a random public domain poem from, like, my childhood, and it just slaps. It's Tennyson, Ulysses. If you'll ever go want to read the whole thing, it's like, this freaking law and i just use like a snippet of it and kind of like you know change it up but the way he delivered it just lined up with the beats perfectly and uh, i i think all i really had to do is like cut and kind of get it more on the one versus like just oh here's the recording you know but it was like damn near perfect he didn't even hear the music didn't even know and then i finished it in utah in the mountains and i was like all right send this in go 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 you know and boom so that one has to go on the ep and which is cool because like you know, there's two like major points on the CP that blew my mind. There's the moment that Bill Gates called me and cause I didn't know if the EP was approved or not. And I hadn't heard from anybody for like a good two months. And then he just calls me out of the blue. I'm in the middle of the session. My whole mind and heart is just like, <laughs> you know, like, Oh my God, that's so amazing. <laughs> you know? All right. And then, uh, having the fact that like, you know, my dad could be a part of that as well. Cause like we really bond. He's like shaped me as a musician, uh, without even trying, you know, mm-hmm. just kind of was there. And then on that man, uh, I'm mostly active on like Instagram, even though like the feed is terrible right now. You got to get that branding down. You know what I mean? <laughs> Working <laughs> on that, but you can find me there and like Facebook, man, at uh, literally at Mr. DJ shadow star. Cause that one person has shadow star that hasn't been on Instagram for like five years, man. Oh, tell <laughs> I'm me gonna about get it. that name. <laughs> Trap Jesus and Luke Rain are both occupied by people who don't use them. It's like, okay. come on, man. I'm gonna get that copyright trademark and then I'm gonna hit up Instagram. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, and that dude, um, it's kind of just where things are. The new music is just a much more dialed back deep uh progressive house at this point man it's kind of like a juna deep but really like guy j lost and found that stuff just blows my mind man i'm really fucking excited to listen to this oh yeah so another good thing to say about the ep is dude i just had like that 150 credits for splice and then like stock and uh my laptop and those were that was my box you know what i mean and yeah. so that's what I used. I picked my best songs from two years ago, you know, and sent them through and went through the ringer and everything you have to to polish them up, man. And 
here they are. So it's kind of like that first leap, just the first knock on this whole alias of mine. And Amen. I appreciate y'all letting me talk about it with you guys. <laughs> yes. Totally. Well, humans, go follow Mr. DJ Shadowstar on socials, and we will have him back for sure. Thank y'all so much for, for sure. being with us. Peace out and peace among worlds, y'all. <laughs> worlds. Namaskar, Bob guys. Dylan, thanks for joining us. <laughs> Cheers, guys. <Kisses. laughs> Later. I like it. What's up, humans? Thank you so much for listening to the Human Music Podcast. We appreciate you. Please remember to subscribe to the show and leave a rating and a review. You have no idea how much this helps other producers like you find this community. We'll be back at you every Tuesday right here with a new episode. Thank you so much and peace among worlds.